My father actually died of cancer when I was young. And when I saw that, that was the moment that I that told myself and just a light bulb just turned on and said, you know what? Medicine is it. And that's that's why I went to med school and that's why I am a, uh, a resident physician right now. Hey, this is Justin Harvey, your host of the Anesthesia Success Podcast. My wife is an anesthesia resident and I'm a financial planner and I work with anesthesia and pain doctors as my clients. This podcast is designed to help the anesthesia community be informed about their careers, their finances, and more by taking important questions straight to the experts. Thanks for tuning in. This week, I speak with Dr. Yu Chu live at the ACIP meeting. That's the American Society of Interventional Pain Physicians in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yu is a resident who has made a lot of great financial decisions through med school and residency, much of which he credits to his parents' influence in his early years. So if you're a resident or a fellow right now and you're wondering what financial possibilities exist for you before you become an attending physician, you won't want to miss this episode. Hey, it's Justin Harvey with the Anesthesia Success Podcast. Pleasure to be with you this week. I, uh, I'm recording episode number two live from ASIP with my new friend, Dr. Yu Chu. We were sitting here at the um, Boston Scientific lunch and he was just sharing how he was able to finish residency with no student loans. And we are sort of peeling back the layers of the onion. And I think that his story is one that may really resonate out there with a lot of young physicians who are interested in financial independence and wanting to be responsible with their money early on rather than sort of having to make up for lost time in their late 30s or early 40s. And I think he's done a lot of things right at the outset, has a lot of really great philosophies with regards to money and life that seem to be setting him up really well for success going forward. So I'm excited to unpack that with him. So Dr. Yu Chu, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Justin, for having me on. And it's a pleasure being on your podcast and learning about you and what you're doing for a lot of residents out there, especially the financial planning part. I, I definitely appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks, you. So a little bit of background. Why don't you just kind of tell us who you are and, and how you came to this moment? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm finishing up my residency at NYU right now. But just so you know, my background wise, I'm, uh, I, was, I graduated from uh, North Carolina State University. Right after that, I did about four years of research where I also did work at the NIH and the National Cancer Institute. I finished my med school in Erie, Pennsylvania. I then did my internship in Camden, New Jersey, and now currently finishing up my residency at in Manhattan, New York, where it's very expensive, but <laughs> doable. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, you know, you did this research time period after undergrad. Tell us a little bit about what that was all about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, I actually worked with some very big names in, at the NIH. It was uh, Dr. Steven Rosenberg. He authored The Transforming Cell. We worked very closely on immunotherapy in melanoma patients. Hmm. It's some very fascinating stuff that uh, hopefully is going to become pretty popular in the medical field soon enough. But it was very enlightening, very hard work was involved, mm -hmm. and a lot of hours. <laughs> did you know after undergrad that you wanted to do med school, or did you kind of discover that at the NIH? I have to say, um, my background really was in auto mechanics, uh, computers. Mm. I mean, it was probably the furthest away from doctoring and medical stuff. Mm. But uh, I worked in this lab, saw how amazing these surgeons and researchers were that pretty much told me and showed me the light where medicine is that. <laughs> wow, cool. Was there like a catalytic moment when it clicked for you and you're like, I love this and I want to be an MD or a, a DO in your case? <laughs> so yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so there was actually one patient that we had seen that had terminal melanoma. 
I remember exactly, we saw these CT scans before the immunotherapy, and the liver was just chocked full of tumors and cancers. This immunotherapy was a trial at the time, a clinical trial, and I believe it's still going on. After they received the immunotherapy cells, essentially these cells from the patient's own body, but we selected just the cells that attacked the cancers. The next time we did a CT scan, you know, I'm not going to say it was a cure or anything, but uh, the liver had absolutely no cancers whatsoever. And that was probably the moment when it clicked to me because, you know, going back a little bit more in depth, a little bit more private setting wise, my father actually died of cancer when I was young. And when I saw that, that was the moment that I, that told myself and just a light bulb just turned on and said, you know what? Medicine is it. And that's, that's why I went to med school. And that's why I am a, uh, a resident physician right now. <laughs> wow, awesome. Did you think at all about like a PhD or some, a more research oriented track? Oh yeah. And just so you know, um, when, when I did this research for four years, I was actually doing a PhD, okay. um, but I decided, Hey, you know what? Let's get away from it, from research, because I felt like I had learned enough for at least the basics part to then go into medicine where I can actually help people hands on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then talk a little bit about your transition into med school and residency. How did that go as far as switching gears and being more like into the medicine in a way that you hadn't been in the past? Oh yeah, no. And, and I got to tell you, med school, I, I remember the, the cliche uh, phrase that people would say, it's like drinking from a fire hydrant instead of drinking from a straw. I mean, it, it was a lot of information, but the good news is being in college, doing a lot of research, reading a lot of books and, mm-hmm. and journal articles, it, it does teach you how to read quickly enough to get the gist of it mm-hmm. and, and to also read deeper if you need to. Um, right. So it's, I gotta say, when it comes to the way at least the American medical system works, there's a reason to it. <laughs> yeah, so you're currently wrapping up residency yes. at NYU. Congratulations Thank on that. Thank you very That's much. Excellent. Uh, PM&R. Why don't you talk a little bit about your time in New York? And obviously, New York, one of the more expensive cities in the entire world. And we're here talking about how you were able to, you know, almost be out of student debt after, obviously, you know, med school, very expensive. How, how did that all wor- work out? How did you build a lifestyle yeah. in such an expensive city that enabled you to do that? Absolutely. And you know, obviously, this is a financial podcast. So I want to also kind of share my experience as well, because I think that by sharing my experiences, other people in in the same you know area could potentially benefit. So my internship was in Jersey. Mm-hmm. Jersey was a relatively cheaper area to live. Um, standard of living was a little bit lower, even though resident salary, intern salary, isn't that great. I kind of bit my thumb and ended up living with a roommate at the time to kind of save money. That saved quite a bit, at least a few grand, maybe 10 grand plus. Wow, awesome. Which I needed because once you go to New York, apparently the saying goes, you need at least 10 grand just to get an apartment. Yeah, And wow. <laughs> it really is true. It was first months, last months, security. First, last month, security, brutal. And, you know, it, they were right. It, you need at least 10 grand to get an apartment. Wow. Um, Where now, did you live in New York? So I, I still live in New York. I'm actually almost done with with my lease. I live in right near Columbus Circle okay. on the west side. Okay, cool. um, and I'll, I'll let you know the price. Uh, so we, my wife and I, Mariana Lee, mm. uh, by the way, is my sweetheart. It's my Mia Moore, mm. just my love of my life. Without her, I could not be doing what I'm doing right now. <laughs> so shout out to you, babe. <laughs> and uh, I got to say, so my rent 
was 3000 a month. Did not include utilities. That was um, your share of the rent? Oh, no, no, no. Th- this was the entire okay. entirety of the rent. But you also have to realize it's New York. Yeah. So it's a studio. Right, uh, of course. So square foot wise, <laughs> I think it maybe barely hits 300. But we do wow. have a, we have a, 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 you know, a good size bathroom. We have a good size kitchen. You know, the yeah. bedroom is essentially the living space. Right, right, <laughs> so, right. Um, now, how did we get this to work? Okay, I, I will have to say, having a wife, you know, splitting the rent a little bit is mm-hmm. really one of the only ways to be able to live in New York City, both uh, comfortably and also financially beneficial. Yeah. Um, when did you get married? I got married uh, a few years ago. When did it have been, like, before New York? It was before New York. Okay. Yes, yes. Um, so, you know, I think tax benefits obviously are a big thing mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to uh, doing your taxes together. But living wise in New York, it, it is expensive. And I would tell anybody that is coming in, especially for internship or residency, I mean, unless you're made out of money, you need to get a roommate yeah. or live below your means. Yeah. Because, you know, just to let you know, my paycheck, um, it's around. I mean, this is after taxes, after 401ks, and, or in our case, 403bs, maybe a little less than 2000 every two weeks. Okay. And that money goes away pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if we go back to med school, obviously med school is a very expensive investment, yes. right? Yes. And, it, you know, I do a lot of student loan analyses where I routinely see people well into the six figures. Mm-hmm. Uh, the average number that I've seen, I think, is like 160K. That feels really low to me. Based that on, is very low. Based on what I <laughs> actually see in real life. Oh, and, yeah. And maybe I have some adverse selection for it's all the worst mm-hmm. people who I end up speaking with. <laughs> but um, so what was your experience with taking yeah. out loans for med school? Did you know what you were getting into? Yeah. Did you save money during you know those research years to pay for mm-hmm. it? Or how much did you end up graduating with? Yeah, and, and uh, I'll go in a little bit more detail. So just so you knew, uh, before I went to med school, I did know about the debt burden that med students had. Uh, at that time, you know, I was told 150K was kind of the average, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll let you know, I, I know people that are married to other doctors yeah. that have accrued, I mean, just by just one one physician himself had over 400K in debt. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and, and he went to a very big MD school that was 80K a year-ish, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and that did not include room and board. And, wow. you know, a, after interest rates, and then yeah. He also married somebody else that was in the medical field, another yeah. four. I mean, we're looking at close to a million dollars after interest. And I just, that blew my mind. Yeah. But obviously this was after the fact. Before, I knew that if I was going to have 160K plus of debt, that I needed to save up as much as I could. And when I was at the NIH, I only made 30K a year. But I, you know, again, bit my thumb. I had roommates. I had six roommates in Bethesda, Maryland. Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, I picked, you know, maybe not the smallest room, but it was like closest to the smallest room. Yeah. And, you know, I was still paying a bit. I, I can't remember the price wise, but it was enough to be able to have fun. I'm not the type of person that just sits at home, does nothing. I, I go out, you know, have, have drinks, uh, you know, eat out with, um, you know, friends and all. But it was just making sure that you had a system that saved money. And and to answer your question about uh, my med school loans, I took out the maximum amount for the first year or two. Okay. Even though I had enough to pay for two years just from saving a loan. And I forget who who it was that um, maybe told me about it, but maybe it was a financial advisor. Maybe it was. I I, I can't remember. But the money that I had saved up, I invested during Mm -hmm. that time. And uh, just... 
I'll give you a time frame. This was uh, 2011, so it was right after the crash. Mm-hmm. I put in, you know, as much as I could. I, I can't remember the exact number, but it was enough to pay off my entire med school loans when I was in residency. Okay. Um, so, and just so you know, stock market, yes, it is. Uh, it's very scary for people that have never done it, but. I will say this, and I'm sure Justin will will kind of back me up on this. When it comes to index funds, mutual funds, I mean, once you look closely into it, they are made up of stocks, you know, bonds, yep. CDs, and things like that. So, yeah, and there's a, that's probably a little bit beyond the scope of this discussion. Yeah. But uh, that's <laughs> it's great that you were able to make really informed financial moves early on. So. You took on the max for the first two years of med school, and then presum- for the last two years, did you just kind of pay from your savings? Yeah, yeah. So okay. I, I essentially paid for my savings. I took out some of my profits from stocks to mm-hmm. pay off the loans. Yep. Uh, by the time I graduated, I had about, I think, 50K, maybe, okay. maybe 50, 60K. From that, I paid off most of it just from working as an intern, yeah. as residency. And, you know, obviously, you know, being married at the time, it, it also helped a little bit when it came to tax returns. Right, <laughs> so, right. uh, yeah, which is, which is a good way, I think. Yeah. And what does your wife do? <laughs> so my wife is not medical. Uh, she graduated from Penn State in hospitality management. Okay. She currently works for a very, very large uh, diamond company. Oh, okay. Some, some of you guys may know it. It's Harry Winston. Okay. Uh, amazing. Amazing woman and uh, also definitely knows her diamonds. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, so I'm curious, you know, it's clear based on all, you know, ever since undergrad, you clearly saved very conscientiously during your research time to the point where you were able to pay for the second half of med school out of pocket as a med student, Yep, yep. which is very, it's remarkable. Oh, absolutely. Um, you don't just wake up one day and decide to pay for the second half of med school. That is something <laughs> in your personality that is forged over years. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I, I'm curious, like where, where did that come from for you? So I started looking into the debt burden based on interests. It was actually around that time I started listening to Dave Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he had some podcasts and now he's on YouTube now. Um, there's a lot of things that I, I, I really believe in and that's from him. And that is, you know, try not to use credit cards as much as you can. You know, try to only spend what you have in cash if you can. And then I started looking into another podcast slash website, Physicians on Fire, which mm-hmm. I, I believe you you had interviewed him yep. uh, just recently. That's correct. And I got to say, Physicians on Fire is by far one of the one of my Bibles when it comes to financial planning and success. Right. And, and for the uninitiated, why don't you just explain what that, what does that mean? Physician on fire? Cause we're, that conjures a weird oh, image. Oh, right, right, right. And yeah. not everybody is, is, you know, wise to what this means. Oh, and, and it does not mean, you know, put setting physicians on fire. No, no, not at all. So fire is an acronym for financial independence and retiring early. I, I will say this. I don't agree with just retiring early. I always see myself working as much as I can, but I also do believe 100% that physicians, residents, even interns or even med students, they need to be financially savvy and financially independent as as soon as possible mm-hmm. if if they can, you know. I did not take any money from, you know, my family. My mom, you know, bless her heart, my mom and my dad were restaurant uh, owners. They worked their butts off ever since immigrating from uh, Hong Kong. And I knew the value of a dollar very, very early on. Hmm. And uh, I knew that even though my mom wanted to help pay for my med school, I told her, you know what, I think I can handle this. If I absolutely need it, I'm glad that, you know, family is there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because it's, it's 
me being stubborn, obviously, uh, trying to make my own path, I wanted to make sure I could do it. And, you know, now I'm on this podcast, uh, hopefully helping the, the new generation That's out. right. <laughs> Are there any, as you think back to the example of your mom and dad and the way that your current financial perspectives are shaped from their work ethic and their valuing a dollar, as you said. Are there any specific instances that you can remember where they kind of, you had an experience that stuck with you as far as being able to appreciate and apply those principles? Yeah. You know, I, I remember one day, I mean, I, again, this was when I was barely six years old, maybe. I, I was very young. I wanted this Ninja Turtle toy. <laughs> and I, I mean, I didn't care about the price or anything, but I'm sure it was it was not more than 10 bucks at the time or maybe a five. I'm not really sure. But I remember my, my mom and my dad, they both kind of looked at me and said, look, you know, we want to get you this, but we just don't have the the money for it. We came here really just to get some clothes for you for school and and maybe some pens and paper, but toys, it's not really in the budget. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mom telling me this. Uh, she said that I, I broke down and I cried. I even like <laughs> ran off uh, in, in the middle of Walmart, you know, <laughs> hiding from them because I was so upset. But looking back at it and, and just hearing it, it's true. Like, again, and just so you know, I was never deprived of having fun as a child, but I did know early on that my wants versus my needs, there was a very defined line. And that line had a pretty big gap too. I didn't, you know, when it came to getting the newest Ninja Turtle or uh, I think I, I was into matchbox cars at mm -hmm. the time, um, I, I just knew that, do I really need it or do I just really want it? Mm -hmm. And I think that was probably the moment when I started thinking, oh, you know, my mom and dad really did work their butts off. And it was for a reason. It was because they had just came here, you know, to the U.S. with really nothing. And they built something for themselves. And thank God for them. You know, they, they are uh, comfortable. And obviously, the money I make will be for them as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's really excellent. Are there any other resources or um, sort of places from which you've drawn this inspiration to be able to be where you are now with these perspectives you have about debt and about earnings and lifestyle and living beneath your means and creating that extra financial capacity in your life? Yeah, I, I remember hearing other physicians as a med student. For me, I rotated literally in 20 plus hospitals all across the US. I mean, in Ohio, Jersey, Pennsylvania, all over. And I remember speaking with a variety of docs in anesthesia, in surgery, in pain, in PM&R, everything. And a lot of frustration from these physicians mm -hmm. come from money. And again, you know, when I was rotating as a med student, you, you rotate during your third and fourth year. That's when I decided to pay off at least a little bit, you know, my third and fourth year with my own money, because just hearing them say, oh, I'm still paying off my my med school loans, which are currently at $1,200 a month. Yeah. And bear in mind, these docs are in their late 40s, maybe early 50s. I, I even know of a, a one surgeon who was in his 60s, if I'm not mistaken, that was still paying off his loans. And that's scary. Mm -hmm. That That also brought a lot of attention to my ears because I wanted to learn from them. And obviously... I have the philosophy of standing on the shoulders of giants, mm -hmm. and that is to learn from other people's experiences. Mm -hmm. And when they told me this, they had issues 
buying a house. They they even had issues buying cars, and yeah. and which is like essentially a, a life's necessity. Just hearing that, learning from it, that really put into perspective how important it is to be financially savvy and also financially independent. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that really resonates with me. And I know some others in the, you know, you mentioned Physician on Fire. There's a handful of others. The Physician Philosopher is one that comes to mind, who's uh, actually an anesthesiologist down in North Carolina, hmm. who um, is a friend of mine. And oh. he, um, the angle that he takes in a lot of his writing and content is trying to equip physicians through finances and through giving mm -hmm. them, helping them move towards financial independence, helping them to live beneath their means and have excess financial capacity every month to be able to then free them from the need mm -hmm. to, you know, make $400,000 a year just to continue to finance a lifestyle that is a bunch of debt mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and that represents like a credit card payment that like every time your checking account gets filled up with your paycheck, it instantly gets emptied to pay your yep. two credit cards and two car payments. Like that is... That will, that will stress you and that will wear you down, that will contribute to burnout and that will make you just mentally unhealthy. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And so I think you're very wise to have at this early age and obviously through the influence of your parents and, and okay. other mentors to be like really positioned for success. I think that's really excellent. Oh, thank you very much. Have you found it to be a challenge at all? And this is probably less true for residents, but have you found it to be a challenge in you know hanging out with your other physician friends even as residents probably like they're in new york they're like listen we're not going to be in manhattan forever yeah we owe 400k but let's go out in the town um and we'll pay that off when we're making the big attending dollars do your friends do that and how does how does that work for you so you know i what i've noticed especially with my co-residents and my juniors um you know i'm not saying that I know exactly what their financial uh, status is, but I will say that you know we all have fun, and we also make sure that when we go out, we don't go to a five star, you know, five dollar sign on Yelp yeah. type of uh, <laughs> restaurants or anything. Uh, I have to say, we we do go to happy hours a lot because, well, guess what? Dollar oysters and yeah. and three dollar beers. I mean, that's that's not bad in yeah, New York. That's uh, right. <laughs> but uh, I, I will say that. A lot of us are very savvy, and, and but at the same time, a lot of us are very scared mm. because the loan debt is pretty massive. I know of one who has over 300 at the point, mm -hmm. and his monthly uh, payments are, I remember his loans, they wanted him to pay 1200 a month at the time, yeah. which I thought was ridiculous. And instead, he ended up doing a uh, income-based repayment. Mm -hmm. And it did go down a bit, but it was still in the hundreds. Yeah. And you know, when it comes to hundreds, there's not much left after your paycheck. Right. That's why I, I, I'm very open about my finances. I am not making 100K. Yeah. <laughs> I am making a resident salary. And even though New York has one of the highest um, resident salaries, you also have to realize the standard of living here is pretty massive. Right. Um, and just doing it alone is, is impossible. Yeah. You know, and, and that's why I think, you know, making sure you, you have people to help you out with your finances and, and maybe even going through it would be very beneficial. Yeah. And, and that's exactly why I'm on this podcast with Justin here. Yeah, great. <laughs> so um, you're sharing a little bit about kind of your aspirations for the future. So you're just finishing PM&R. Um, you're looking at doing a, uh, a pain fellowship out yes. in the Midwest. Yep. And then what, what, what do you see in, in the years to come for yourself and your family? 
what am I going to do in the future? So I'm, I'm going to be doing pain. Uh, I'd like to learn as much as I can when it comes to interventions. And, and this program in, in Milwaukee is going to be very comprehensive. Um, the actual fellowship is called a comprehensive pain fellowship. So um, so in case anybody out there is uh, interested in applying, I think this is a great program. You know, I'm not saying that because I'm biased and I'm going there, but I truly believe it is. Uh, when it comes to what's going to happen afterwards, you know, I think... Um, it's a little early for me to know, uh, but I am looking at different pathways. You know, there's always the academics, uh, which my heart's always been in. But at the same time, I, I've also been talking to a lot of private practices, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh, financial incentives as well. But at the same time, you know, I want to make sure that I have a very good background knowledge in both before I, I pick and choose. And it is true. Uh, once you become a pain attending, the salaries should increase quite dramatically. But at the same time, a lot more other financial burdens can pop up. You know, I think I still have some time to figure that out, but at least up until now, the only debt I have so far, you know, knock on wood, and is my car loan, which Mm -hmm. is only about 13K. And uh, and just so you guys know, I don't drive a Ferrari. (laughs) I don't drive a a Lamborghini or anything. Although I have a friend that does, and (laughs) and he'll probably be on this podcast uh, later. Uh, (laughs) No, I I have a Toyota RAV4. It was a used RAV4. um, And, you know, I I think it's just enough for me to go around. And then uh, obviously my wife will will probably get a a car soon as well. But uh, hopefully I can get her a little bit better, you know, because obviously she's earned it. (laughs) Yeah, cool. Um, so I got one question left for you, yep. and this is something that I uh, ask all of my physician guests, and I'm uh, excited to hear how you're going to answer. So to get to this point in your life, this point in your training, and with your financial situation, it takes a lot of dedication and sacrifice. So I want you to just share with us a brief anecdote or a, a story from a time when you maybe have looked at either with a patient or maybe with your financial situation when you were kind of in the midst of thinking about this is where we're at, this is the situation, and you maybe reflected on the hard work that you put in, the mm-hmm. sacrifices that you made, and you thought, you know what, this is right now where are we at with where we're at, with what I'm doing, with the way that my family is set up. It's It's been worth it, mm-hmm. the way that I've lived and the decisions that I've made. Yeah. I, I guess going into what you had said, one thing that really popped up was uh, patience. I remember being at, at a, a very busy residency, mm-hmm. uh, as you can, and I'm sure you, you know pretty well because your wife is, is in medicine as well. Um, seeing patients, you only have a certain amount of time. And it's maybe not all about money, but it's about moving, moving quickly. And one thing that uh, I have become very passionate about is explaining diseases, injuries, illnesses, but with a time frame that allows for true education to the patient. Mm -hmm. So actually one of my pet projects, which is completely free, completely extra work for me, but it's very passionate for, is uh, my own podcast. Mm -hmm. It's called uh, Regen Med 101. Essentially explains in very simple form what these conditions are, what these illnesses are. I have podcasts on plantar fasciitis, shoulder pain, knee pain, back pain. I even have one for measles. Mm-hmm. And and it's really just to show the general population and the audience what kind of conditions they have in the most simplified form possible. Mm-hmm. And being an intern, a resident, even med students, you know, we we are we are reading, you know, terminologies that are just foreign language to pretty much 90% of the population. Yep. And I think doing something for the patients means you have to 
understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. So that, I guess that's one of my, my passionate pet projects that I have. And, and I appreciate you asking me about that. So. Yeah, that's great. And we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Regen Med 101. Thank you. Thank as you. a great lay person's guide to different uh, medical terminology. I've had a couple of those things you just <laughs> named, not measles, but I'm, uh, <laughs> I hope not, I'm interested <laughs> in, uh, you know, checking that out. And I, you know, even being here talking to some of the, uh, you know, the exhibitors, they're oh, using all these terms. Oh, yes. That I am like, yeah, like, yeah, I don't know what that means. No, so, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great for, that's a great resource. I'm glad you're being able to provide. So Dr. Yu Chu. Thank you very much for joining us on the Anesthesia Success Podcast. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very much. Hey, Justin here. This may shock you to learn, but I am actually not a full-time podcaster. I also run a financial planning company called Quantify Planning, where I work closely with anesthesia and pain docs to build and implement customized financial plans. If you're interested in working with a financial planner who knows many of the ins and outs of your profession, shoot me an email or head on over to quantifyplanning.com for more information. If you're a resident or fellow, I can also offer you a free student loan analysis if you're interested, but there might be a waiting list, so check out the link over there to see. If you're interested in learning more about the topics we discussed today, head over to anesthesiasuccess.com to join our community of residents and attendings and others to ask a question or get more free resources. If and only if you like this episode, please leave us a review and subscribe. Thank you very much for listening to the Anesthesia Success Podcast.